you either walk inside your story and own it, or you walk outside your story and hustle for your worthiness. And so it's only been recently, as in the last two to three years, where I've dialed in the business to align with my personal passion, values, and like experience in life, and then apply that. I've I've never had that overlap before. I've always had church and state. Like I have a personal life and a professional life, and that's how that goes. But but now I've started to think about it in terms of the power of integrating those two things and what could be possible when that alignment happens. I had no idea. <laughs> um. You are listening to the High Growth Founders Podcast, where we give you unfiltered truth and ideas about accelerating the growth of your startup and becoming the founder you were born to be. No fluff, no games, just straight to business. I'm your host, Casey Jones. Through my career as a coach, consultant, advisor, and mentor, I've worked with hundreds of founders on their go-to-market strategy, building an authentic personal brand, and growing as a leader. You are here for one thing, growth. And this show is dedicated to helping founders accelerate growth, period. We will dive into not only the best strategies that are working today, but discuss the biggest mistakes and failures that industry leaders have made in the past so you don't have to. So kick back, relax, and let's get into the show. Today's interview is with a pretty amazing woman, Jackie Bevenroth. She is CEO of Muse, which is a brand agency. And so we get into some really freaking interesting things when it comes to thinking about your story. How do you align your brand vision, your marketing, your brand strategy with the more core part of who you are as a business owner, who you are as a leader, and and what is like authentically you? And yes, we talk about how that word is way overused. And how to think about it a little bit differently. But Jackie also shares a lot of really personal stories that I think you're going to find incredibly helpful, but also powerful. She talks about when her business got acquired, what she learned during that acquisition, how she wound up then restarting her business, and what made the difference once she restarted that enabled her to 4x her annual revenue in just a couple of years. Like it's, the story is nuts. And she's a really, really smart woman. And she works with tons of other entrepreneurs and their businesses, capturing their stories and helping them figure out what is that unique angle that's going to connect with their audience, but do it in a way that is authentic, that represents who they really are and what they do differently, what they do better than anybody else. It's a fantastic conversation, tons of strategic and tactical advice. You're going to learn a ton. Um, You're also going to enjoy it. And please, please give a listen. I think this is going to be one of the best ones we've done so far. (music) 
Jackie Biebenroth, thank you so much for joining me today. I have really been looking forward to this conversation. So thank you for being here. Casey, thanks for having me. So to kick things off, just tell everyone a little bit about you and what you do. Everyone's going to hear in just a second that what you do is very near and dear to my heart. So I'm particularly excited for this conversation, but but, but give us a little background and, and some context into you and your business. Certainly. So um, my name is Jackie Biebenroth. I own an agency called Muse. I've been in marketing for 25 years now, which quarter century is uh, quite quite a lifetime in and of itself. Uh, about you 10 years ago. Old, you do oh. not look old enough to have that level of history. So like, I'm guessing you started at like, I don't know, 12 or 13. Like, uh. I don't know. Thank you so much. My wrinkle cream is really working out for me. Um, I I started this business about 10 years ago uh, to focus more on branding, which is my passion, and then ultimately storytelling. I'm a copywriter by trade. So brand narrative, helping clients who have a lot of great things to say organize their messaging in ways that people want to hear. So that is truly our specialty. But of course, we've kind of branched out to do all levels of brand strategy, including visual identity, um, website development, um, all the wonderful things that come along with building the core ethos of a brand. It's Mm. really exciting work. Yeah, it is. And I have a feeling we're going to get into some interesting territory here because the the whole idea of storytelling and how you dive into that authenticity from a brand perspective, I think is it's a great analogy for also our kind of journeys of personal discovery because it takes time to really figure out who you are, what you care about, both as a company like right you you often start a company and then later on you're like wait we thought it was this but we realize like this is actually where we shine or this is our zone of genius and there's something really similar about those sort of parallel journeys both as humans as founders and for our businesses yeah you bet and i can't stress that point enough i mean we have a philosophy here at muse that we brand from the inside out because people tend to throw that word authenticity around a lot. <laughs> and what we found is... Not a very is, authentic word anymore. <laughs> right. Right. And so, so what does that mean for a company to truly present as authentic? Um, it means that they're establishing and anchoring in a core purpose that is shared by the values of the organization inside first and then orienting to the external demand, consumer demand, after they decide who they are first. And I think sometimes agencies make the mistake of really just chasing after the latest and greatest thing and not really looking inside to understand what's so spectacular about, um, you know, the, um, the inner kind of narrative of the, of the corporation or the organization. And then it doesn't stick. It doesn't really work. It doesn't stick. And it's really interesting. We, like, as consumers, as even as business professionals, like purchasing or or evaluating kind of solutions or companies on the business level, we just intuitively sense when something is 
BS, when like it's not genuine, when it's not real. And we might not even know that that's what we're sensing, but it'll be something just doesn't land. It doesn't stick with us. We don't really remember it. And it really does come back to that, that how genuine is it and, and how connected to that internal story and the meaning behind it? Is that actually working or not? Yeah, and I'll give you a really interesting example of some a client that we're working with now. Um, this is a financial services startup. The gentleman had a business and he sold it for mountains of money. And he's he's looking at trying to pay it forward by giving creative lending solutions to entrepreneurs. Um, he wants to really focus in on a couple of uh, very lucrative and high demand industries, one of them being transportation. Yeah. This client knows nothing about the trucking industry other than it's a good opportunity for him to give money to make money. And he admits that. And so the brand, we are not going out there trying to be an authority on how to build a transportation business. Instead, what we're doing is uh, curating voices from the industry of other experts who truly understand that and are the authority in the space. And that'll have a mutual benefit of exposure and visibility. But ultimately, the decision was made from the brand standpoint, don't pretend to be an authority when you're obviously you're not. not. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, and I love that. Like, I think sometimes we get afraid to admit where there's these sort of perceived weaknesses, but you just gave an amazing example of how you can turn a potential weakness into a strength, right? By saying, hey, no, we're not going to pretend to be something we're not. So we're going to kind of open up our arms and bring more people and thought leaders into this kind of ecosystem we're building so that everybody benefits out of that. And that's it's very, very cool. I love that. That's a great example. Yeah, thanks. And I I think that there it's our job as brand professionals to really raise that flag and share with clients when they're not being authentic or they're trying to be something they're not because of a revenue opportunity or something. It's like, does that really fit in with the structure and the anchor that we've built um, from your distinctive advantages to your purpose of your business? Yeah. And there's always a way to present those things and to develop a strategy that is in line with kind of who you are and and your unique strengths and advantages. But way too often we think more about, I don't know, that end point and don't and are not as intentional as we could be about the path to getting there. Yes. Yeah. And to that point, you gotta love the journey. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, I, I listened to this interesting talk. Uh, Ed Vesters is a, a, um, an American mountaineer, and he's one of the only men who has climbed all, whatever, 18 summits uh, that are, you know, of a certain height, Everest and the whole thing. Yeah. And he was talking about, it's not about the summit. It's about enjoying the process. Because when you climb Everest, I didn't realize this, but that base camp one, base camp two, you have to go back and forth between those those base camps multiple times to get your stuff and pull it up to the next thing that is a a multi-week process just to get from stage to stage and if you don't love that process you're never going to make it to the next stage right so i i try to apply that to my everyday life especially when when it's like you know i'm really earning my paycheck and 
Well, and, and look, I think that's that's something a, a trainer told me a million years ago where he was like, if the the results that you want to see in the mirror or this is the only thing that is motivating you, you are going to give up before you get there. You have to fall in love with the journey. And I think this is a this is a very good segue, okay? Because typically how we start these conversations is by talking about something. I don't know, one of those, one of those base camps and and your journey as an entrepreneur, as a founder, as a as a human. Um, and look, we know that we learn far more in life from the tough stuff and the things that don't go so well, the things that are kind of grueling and difficult. And so I'm curious, you know, if you'd be willing to share a story about your journey as an entrepreneur. What is something, some some trial you went through, some some adversity, some lesson that you had to learn, ultimately, I don't know, maybe did help you fall in love with the process and helped you realize kind of this pathway to growth and to getting to where you are now? Yeah, this is such a deep question. Um, I have a story about my acquisition. So I I've had this business for 10 years, but maybe three or four years into it, I decided to be acquired by a larger agency. I made that decision for a variety of reasons. Mainly, I could, I did not feel at that point in my life I could achieve work-life balance. And work was really sucking the life out of me. And I really wanted to, um, I had two young children at home at the time, and I really wanted to, you know, um, be present for them. Yeah. So I sold the business for not that much. It just sort of bought out my liabilities and gave me a big bonus. And now I moved my business in as a department of this larger agency. I still believe that that was a great move for me at the time. I do not regret that decision. It was a step back from running my own show, controlling my own destiny. But my my boss, the the acquisition partner, he was really open to allowing me to run independently inside his company. And I was producing in a big way for him. He brought in another partner because I declined. He asked me if I would be a partner. I said, no, that's, I got out of being an owner. I, you know, I'm really comfortable just accepting my paycheck. Thank you. Yeah. And so he brought in another partner and I felt like at that time I was enjoying sort of like this condo on beachfront property. And she just kind of swept in and built a building right in front of my view. Right. And there was nothing I could do about it because I didn't own the property. And so I, I decided we didn't share values or vision. And I, I ended up exiting that within 18 months with, I, they allowed me to take two of my very small clients that I brought over. And I, sat with it for a summer. I didn't do anything. I was sort of struck like, I don't know if I want to start another business. I don't know if I, I didn't have a vision or a purpose. I, you know, so I just took some time with it and I ended up getting this killer opportunity with the entrepreneurs organization of all things. You know, this is a global organization. You have to have a million plus in revenue and revenue to be a member And they asked me to come to their events and bring a video crew and film member interviews all over the world. And I was like, well, that's a sign. I got to get up off the couch. And I, cause I was thinking, I'm like, I'll just be a freelancer. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, I moved in and that started what I call muse part two. Um, I, 
negotiated the rights to my business back. I just had to reset up. All the paperwork was there. I just had to reset up my banking accounts. Since that time, it's been about five years later, we have quadrupled the revenue that I sold the business. Wow. And I can look back on that, that experience and understand it as a stepping stone to a bigger goal. I didn't see it when I was in the moment. You never really do. All you see is like, did I fail? You know, I, you know, I, all the insecurities kind of come out about quitting or walking away, shutting it down, both on the acquisition and the exit of the acquisition. Yeah. But through that experience, and I, I actually just, I was listening to your podcast on pricing. Um, I learned, I had like limitations about my money mindset that were really holding me back from growing. I was able to overcome those limitations inside someone else's agency at no risk. And then I took that and I just ran with it without limitation. And, and so that was a big lesson learned. And I feel like that was, that was why I had that experience so that I could, it was an important part of my growth. When I work with startups and their founders, it's usually because they know they could be growing faster and they need some help to make it happen. Almost always, my first step with them is to take them through my growth audit process to diagnose and then help them fix the problem. But I can't work with everyone and I still want to help every founder grow. So I've created the growth audit quiz, which asks you some questions about your business and your process of turning a stranger into a loyal, happy customer to help you identify where you have the greatest opportunity to take a big leap forward. So go to a betterjones.com slash growth audit and take the growth audit now. You'll also have a chance to book some time with me to review your answers and together create an action plan to help you grow. So, okay. If we're talking about startups, and this is like, this is true of all businesses, really, right? Right. We know like, what is it? 90% of businesses fail, mm-hmm. but 90% of entrepreneurs don't. Yeah. Right. Like the business might fail and then you go start another one or you go figure it out. And so sometimes there are things that you do that might feel in the moment, like, I don't know, it's a lateral move or it's a step back or it's a pause but what you're actually doing is setting yourself up for um, a, adding a lifetime of value. And sometimes you need to take those lateral moves, those steps back, those pause, those resets in order to kind of shift that mindset and be able to get back on that path and like experience that accelerated growth. Yes. And I will say that one of my coaches told me once, you know, change is cyclical it's change is cyclical. It's not linear. So we assume it's linear because we're like before and after or climb the ladder or what, whatever sort of trite thing we have in our mind. But that was an example of change and growth being a sick, sick. Why can't I say that word today? Sick, <laughs> secular. Pro- yeah. it, it's cyclical. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think, um, 
you know, that's something not only to apply to your entrepreneurship journey, but also just to life and personal growth in general. Yeah. I, I think that's such a good point. Yeah, we do. We think that we think that growth is going to be linear. And and sometimes we might even recognize like, okay, you might have a little dip and then you experience a big, you know, surge forward. But I think we've all seen that um that little drawing where it's like how we think like growth happens and it's like this straight line. It's how it really yeah. happens. And it's like this, like, you the know, messiness. curly knot to this like totally messy thing. And that really is how yeah. it is. And you just don't know hindsight. You, you only get hindsight looking back. You don't get it in the moment. You don't really realize. And, and sometimes I will say you've been through enough shit. You have these moments where you're like, okay, I know, I know that things are going to be way better in like a couple weeks, a couple months, but it feels horrible. But like, I've got the, that faith because you have enough experience, but you really don't ever have the full context of what that experience is going to do and what it's going to mean. And, and to our earlier conversation, how it is going to change or shift or evolve that internal story, that narrative of who we are, what we care about, like where we're going, all the rest. And so I'm, I'm curious when you, now, when you think about the Muse brand, how did that experience, obviously it changed from your ability to generate big revenue and to sort of command what you are worth, which Three cheers for that. That is awesome. And I want to hear more about how that all happened. But also, what were some of the other shifts that you experienced in just your understanding of yourself and, and your role in the world and, and, and all the rest? Yeah, so I've had this quote from Brene Brown hanging on a corkboard in my office for like 15 years. And the quote, and I always stare at it like, as it's some kind of riddle or mystery. And I finally figured it out recently. <laughs> and, and the quote is, you either walk inside your story and own it, or you walk outside your story and hustle for your worthiness. Mm. And so it's only been recently, as in the last two to three years, where I've dialed in the business to align with my personal passion values and like experience in life and then apply that. I've, I've never had that overlap before. I've always had church and state. Like I have a personal life and a professional life and that's how that goes. But but now I've started to think about it in terms of the power of integrating those two things and what could be possible when that alignment happens. I had no idea. <laughs> um, it, I mean, that, that sounds incredibly powerful. And, you know, goddess Brene, queen Brene, not surprising that, that she's the one that sort of uh, inspired that. Because I do think it is really... I remember, I remember telling someone that one of the things that really shocked me when I first became an entrepreneur was, you know, becoming an entrepreneur that like something amazing about it is the blend of the personal and the professional, right? Like you have more of a stake in everything you're doing. And so you have more sort of pride and, and things like accounting, which sucks is you actually find oddly rewarding because it's yours. And, and there's something kind of amazing about that. But one of the biggest shocks for me is I would realize that like if I had a if I had a bad day personally, when you work for someone else, it's so easy to to leave your personal stuff like at the door 
when you go into the office. When you are an entrepreneur, it's much, much harder. And the reverse is true. When you have a tough work day, and I remember that being like absolutely flooring me, like hitting me like a ton of bricks when I suddenly realized like, oh, if my partner and I like got in a fight, I would really struggle at work that day because I like I didn't have that clear and easy line. But I I think I'm I'm like you where it took a really long time to realize how you sort of harness the power of that. And how do you show up as your whole self at work um, and in your business in a way that actually is a is a competitive advantage, not just sort of a pain in the ass thing you have to deal with. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm sure as you probably know, marketing can be a very fickle business. So, uh, you know, sometimes you're stuck selling people things they neither want nor need. (laughs) (laughs) Driving this thing we call capitalism forward, right? And for me, I was either going to drop out, like a lot of people get burned out because of that, um, or I was going to shift to a place where I could have some meaning and purpose in the work. And that lives in this ability to help people who help people. So I'm not like, like my sister is a nurse, for example, she's a person who helps people. I I'm not that person. (laughs) I don't have that in me, but what I really love doing is helping people like her serve more people and have a ripple effect in how she impacts her the quality of life for many. And so that's where we've really oriented the business in our true north now. We still work with financial services. We'll work with a lot of clients that are just good people doing good things. But where we really thrive is working with these change agents who are really these these medical practitioners, these coaches, these nutritionists who are out there helping people be their better self. That's amazing. And it's okay. We'll, we'll trade some quotes here and I'm going to butcher this one, but this is one of my favorites. It's um, Bobby Kennedy quote, and I'll find it for you afterwards and send you the whole thing. The, the whole speech is really, really long, but he basically talks about, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, whenever a person stands up for injustice or, you know, fights for what they believe in, they send out a tiny ripple of hope. And when ev- when there are you know there's a there's a multitude of people standing up for injustice, fighting for what they believe in, these tiny ripples of hope converge to create a tidal wave that can knock down even the strongest forms of oppression. And I like that's it, right? Like, no, okay. <laughs> One of the things that is sometimes a helpful reminder when you're feeling really urgent with a client need, you're like, okay, we're not saving lives here. Like this isn't right. life or death. If I don't respond to this email in the next hour, no one will die. But what we can do is enable others to send out that tiny ripple of hope, but lots of them. And if you can start helping one person or a multitude of companies help a bunch of people and clients and all the rest do just a little a little more good in the world make a little bit more of a difference it is this like cascade effect of change and it i think it is and i'm i'm sure especially for your work it's particularly rewarding helping them tell what is i'm sure 
like amazing and inspiring stories that that are locked within them that they just don't have the skills or the the know-how to be able to tell the way they sort of deserve to be able to. Yeah, and a lot of these people are big brain people. So they just have a lot going on up there and it's our job to really rein them in and distill it to that that emotion that sparks intent in people. And not just intent, but what we found is what's really exciting about working in in this type of field, which we're calling change marketing, is as marketers, we often think our job stops at conversion. Like someone buys a product or service, our job is done, we're out the door. In this case, the a lot of these folks are in it for the long haul. Their clients are not only investing money in a transaction, but also time and effort. So what type of communication strategies and stories do we need to tell to maintain that relationship so that they can get the long-term transformation that they were originally sold on and is not an immediate um, kind of poof magic bullet? Well, and I love this because, look, brand is the foundation of customer experience. And I think way too often we have these elements way too siloed. And I think one of the things that I loved about, you know, my last kind of full-time job was working at an early stage startup where I was the first uh, non-engineer, non-developer hired. And, you know, I'd come from this sales and marketing background where I was used to having way more resources. And it took me a while to realize like, oh, I was doing all of this like traditional marketing, like acquisition stuff. But then someone would sign up for that free trial and their whole experience was a complete and utter disaster and no one was actually converting. And I started to be like, oh, wait, okay, no one's doing that. I guess I need to do that. And I I realized like, I loved that because it is that's the the life cycle the full journey of of that brand promise it's not just about getting someone in the door it's about that experience of you know transformation and delight and and creating that customer relationship and i just don't think there's enough marketers and brand focused people out there that really emphasize that so i i love that that's a part of what you all do yeah, well, nobody wants to hear that it's long and complicated. Right? <laughs> um, but what I will say is it's much more cost effective to maintain and upsell your current customer base than it is to acquire a new customer. So for more established brands, we're always talking about patient lifetime value, customer lifetime value, and how we elevate that through communication and brand storytelling. It's so important. And um, I can't stress that enough. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, no one is a better salesperson or marketer for your brand than really, really happy customers. Let's be honest. (laughs) Okay. So I am curious. I want to go back to what we talked a little bit around kind of pricing. How aware, I mean, was that a, was that a, a conscious shift that you went through or was this something where you just realized you got much more comfortable kind of asking for and getting the the prices that you deserved and only in hindsight were you like, oh, that's that's why I was suddenly able to do that. Like, what was that journey like for you in terms of, of making that kind of mindset shift when it comes to, to money and prices? 
I think it was two things. Uh, in Muse Part One, we were selling uh, sort of content development services. So you have a newsletter, you have a blog, you have social, like you need to fill that pipeline. And what was happening at that time in the market was, you know, freelance sites were coming online, Fiverr was setting up, you know, and suddenly, like everyone who has a keyboard can be a writer. And we were commoditized very quickly. Yeah. And my model wasn't working. Yeah. Um, that's not to say that we were almost like selling that first and selling the strategy as an add-on, which is crazy. Because what we but it's really, so common. <laughs> it's so common because that's what people think they want. Like, I I want to do a brand blog. Can you help me write those stories? Sure. But why are you doing it? What do you want it to accomplish? What is your angle? That commands a price because those are big decisions that ultimately dictate the future and long-term viability of the project. Yes. So it was making that shift that was Muse Part One was content development. Use part two is more starting with strategy, brand strategy, content strategy. And we many times we'll get a client on a retainer for content development. But for our smaller clients, we also just recommend they just take the blueprint and take it over to a freelancer and, you know, get it done. Um, so we're making money on being a guide and not an executor. So that was a big thing thing. Yeah. That's, that's the shift of time for money versus time for sort of information and experience and expertise, which is not time for that money for that. Yeah. When I realized that I, when I set up Muse part two, I actually invested in the, um, the gentleman's name is Blair ends and he wrote a book on value-based pricing. So it's less about pricing your services hour by hour, although we do our estimates that way, but more about having a project rate that's like, okay, I'm going to do a brand strategy for you. It's not going to be less than 20 grand. And there are reasons for that. And there are certain clients who will buy that and certain clients who don't. Yeah. And, and that's just the end of it, right? Yeah. And it, making that transition, that's always whenever I talk to someone who's like started their business for the first time, my number one recommendation is stop with the hourly pricing. It's It sets you up for for misery. Everybody starts nickeling and diming. It's, it's kind of a miserable experience. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And I've found myself in too many conversations early on where I was trying to rationalize how long it took to do something. And it's like, oh yeah, you're buying a process. <laughs> You're not necessarily buying time. And look, I, I, I'm sure you've seen this. I, I've seen this like quote a, a ton of times. I don't know who originally said it, but the idea is, look, it took me 10, 15, 25 years to get to a point where I can do this thing in 30 minutes. You're not paying me for my 30 minutes. You're paying for my 25 years of experience. And we kind of paint ourselves into a corner by charging by the hour because we are incentivized then to take longer. And that's not, that's not a winning solution for the client or for us. That's a tough lesson to learn. Um, But ultimately when it clicks and you start to get confidence where you get more yes than no, um, that's where the momentum builds. But I'll say the second thing very quickly, but this is really important. So I read this book 
you're a badass at making money. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, Jen Sincero, she's like the, she's got the badass books. Yeah. And one of the points she made in that book was spend the money on the mastermind group or the coach that's going to help you level up. And I never did that in Muse Part 1. And in Muse Part 2, one of the first things I did was I joined a mastermind group I couldn't afford at the time. And I surrounded myself with people who were making a lot more money than I was and people I aspired to be. And only then was I given sort of like a new viewpoint on value and worth and how to do these things. So I not only got like the tangible details of here's how you go about value-based pricing, but I got, um, you know, the validity of these people doing this and having it work for them. So, yeah. And, and there is something so incredibly powerful about surrounding yourself with people that are doing it that are ahead of you. And way too often, especially when we are service-minded people, we often surround ourselves with people that are slightly behind because we want to help them. But that doesn't help us get to that next level. And you've got to have that, you ha- have to have that balance. I'm very particular about that. And I believe in doing things like these podcasts and things to share maybe some knowledge that might be useful. But um, I'll do like a women's mentorship role with a small group of people once a year. But aside from that, I am I am very particular about putting myself in situations where I'm not I'm the dumbest person in the room as it relates to <laughs> yeah. whatever I yeah. want to learn about, right? Yeah. Um, so it's a growth accelerant for sure. I think this has been an amazing conversation and it's been full of lots of of very practical and tactical, but also, I don't know strategic and meaty and like very personal things. So um, if any of the listeners want to learn more about what you do, about what Muse does, um, where can they find you? Where can they get in touch? Sure. Thank you for asking. We are at museheadquarters.com. We're also on Instagram at museheadquarters. I have a personal Instagram, Jackie Biebenroth, that I do not post on as often as I should. And you can always find me on LinkedIn. Fabulous. Um, And we'll have all of those links in the show notes. And as we wrap up, I have my three last questions for you. Okay. Shoot. Okay. So what is one thing that makes you grateful to be a founder? I'm grateful for this privilege of controlling my own destiny. Mm. And as a type A person... (laughs) I think, you know, I'm well suited uh, to that, but also I never, ever take it for granted. Yeah. I love that. Um, Okay. What is one resource that you wind up either recommending all the time, or you are also grateful that you discovered because it's been really helpful in your journey? And you've already mentioned a bunch, masterminds, value-based pricing, like all of these other things, but, but what else have you got? Um. I just want to mention again, my mastermind group, the name of it is Agency Management Institute. And if you have something like that in your industry, where you can unlock access to other entrepreneurs in your space to compare notes and really just make sure you're anchored in best practices, I can't stress how important that is. It really helps me keep my sanity. And especially through the pandemic, when everything was upside down and topsy-turvy, it's like, 
that was my lighthouse. Like that was like my guiding, like, okay, everything's okay. Other people are experiencing this. I'm not alone in the world. Um, so I, I highly recommend something like that. And I think you just said something really important. The founder journey, the entrepreneurial journey can be really lonely, mm-hmm. right? You are, you're doing it on your own. Even when you have a team, you're the boss, right? And, and I don't know about you, but all of my, my two closest, oldest girlfriends, one's a stay at home mom who used to be a teacher. One's a realtor. And both of them think I'm insane and don't really get why I do what I do. And we don't, you know, it's, we don't have that kind of relationship. And so I think, you know, the idea of a mastermind, not only to help on the practical and strategic side of the business, but also on the like feeling less alone in this journey that is wild and has all these ups and downs and all of these difficult and also exhilarating moments, having having your kind of inner circle of people that really get that can be that game changer that that we all really need. There's no doubt. I mean, it's just human nature to want to belong. And when you're an entrepreneur, there's not a whole lot of options to belong with people who get you, who understand your challenges. And, um, you know, as I mentioned, I, I joined this mastermind group before I probably should have, like I, and I still am the smallest agency in the group of 12. Oh, wow. Um, but I have found my place over the years there. And I just really feel this sense of camaraderie that, um, I don't, I don't know where else I would get that. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, okay. Last but not least, if present day Jackie could go back in time and give, pre-entrepreneur Jackie, a piece of advice right before she's about to kind of launch on this whole journey and adventure 10 years ago, what would you tell her? Trust the universe. Mm. (laughs) This is kind of a spiritual thing, but, and it's only something I've really embraced in my forties and I'm still working on embracing it. That concept of everything happens for a reason. Yeah. You know, I've been working on, um, a speaking, I want to start doing more speaking and getting on stage um, for business purposes and also as almost like a second career, second mountain. Yeah. And I've been investing very heavily in learning how to be a better speaker. I was at the end of this course recently where I had been practicing to get on stage and the company that has the training, uh, they, they were recording small segments of your speech so you can use it as a speaker reel. Yeah. So I've been going through this journey. I have invested like 10 months in like building this speech, doing the thing. I'm at the culmination of the experience. I'm prepared two days before that I get COVID. (laughs) (gasps) (laughs) And I just, if I didn't have that mindset of like, the universe just told you this is not the time for that. And you want to know something, you're going to fill it with something else that's going to be better for you and whoever else you serve in the meantime. So just trust, you know, and otherwise I would have been like angry for days. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I think we all need that need to remember that from time to time and truly I'm with you. If there's anything that has the last few years has really taught me, it's to become a little bit more woo-woo and trust the universe and a whole lot more. And when I do it, I'm a much happier person for it. 
It's especially important. I, I don't know if you're in this club with me in this sort of control type A kind of club where it's hard to let go and surrender. It's hard to let go. Um, and so that in and of itself is a journey that I think is one worth taking. Yeah. Mm. That is, that's the perfect way to end this conversation. Jackie, thank you. I absolutely loved this. I know listeners are going to get a ton of value out of this conversation. We will share all of those links and um, everything in the show notes. And I'm excited for everyone to, to hear your story. Casey, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoy talking to you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode on the High Growth Founders Podcast. If you love what you heard, subscribe to the show of whatever podcast platform you're tuning in from. And look, much like this show, I love getting into the good, the bad, and everything in between. So please feel free to express yourself in the reviews of the show. And consider subscribing to the High Growth Founders newsletter by going to highgrowthfounders.substack.com. You'll get the show delivered to your inbox every single week, plus stories, insights, and actionable tips from my work helping founders accelerate their growth and from my own journey, accelerating my own. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we are here to learn from one another. So please, if the episode made you think of a founder who is leveling up in their business, take a screenshot and share it with them. Okay, that's all I've got. In love and growth, I am out of here. See you next time.